Hey, all you radio throwbacks, all you travelers from different times, it's the top of the midnight hour, and this is your favorite radio broadcast. The Dark Traveler with me, your host, Paul Dark. And hi, my name's Kathleen. I was lucky enough to facilitate and edit this podcast project along with a creative team of actors, directors, and writers who I've been working with since 2013. I want to give you a little background on who's in case you're a new listener and have never seen one of our shows. William Head on Stage, or Who's, is a full-on not-for-profit theatre company that is entirely organized by folks who are incarcerated inside of William Head Minimum Security Federal Institution in Victoria, BC. Usually a group of us outside artists gets hired for the summer and fall to team up with a group of incarcerated artists and build a play from scratch that we stage in the William Head Gym. For 15 nights in the autumn, Who's invites the public inside the prison gates to see our sensational shows. You buy a ticket, drive out into the woods to the prison, go through prison security, and then you are driven in shuttle vans from the gates to what is normally the prison hockey gym, which the team has transformed into a full-on theater with stage design, lighting, costumes, sometimes even puppets or shadow projections, who's in one form or another has been going on since 1981. That's right, 40 years, folks. Last October would have been our 60th production, but as the months wore on, we realized that we wouldn't be pandemic-free by fall. With the support of William Head staff, we decided to switch to radio. With limited time together, sometimes over video call, we managed to record a classic radio play, which you heard in episode one, a homemade sequel, which you will hear today in episode two, commercials, short stories, poetry, and some insightful glimpses into what it's like to create a play inside of prison during an unprecedented worldwide pandemic. What you're about to hear is a variety show of sorts. Last week, we showed you what we can do with a script. Today, you get to hear some of the stuff we created from scratch. You'll hear some improv, poetry, fiction, and the much-anticipated homemade sequel to the Northern Lights, Circle of Life. Okay, I've said enough. Back to you, Mr. Dark. So, if you could travel anywhere in time, where and when might you go, Doctor? 350 AD in England. I've always wanted to be a blacksmith when knights and swords were just kind of coming up in Camelot. I think being a blacksmith would be a... Where and when? The where? I'd probably go somewhere where there is another planet of some sorts that has people or aliens even, you know, some sort of civilization where there's another species which I would assume that there is somewhere um wherever that is past or future past and future ah. possibly even present inventors 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 Bob Quantum. Welcome everybody to uh, Inventors Inventions today. As I heard, I'm your host, 
Bob Quantum, and we're here to interview Dr. Evil today. Welcome to the show, Dr. Evil. Hi, I'm Dr. Evil. I'm here today to present my newest invention, the Space Time Traveler Machine. This machine can take you anywhere your mind can imagine it. Don't you want to see the dinosaurs or the woolly mammoths? Perhaps check out what aliens do for a living. So how does your time travel device work? Well, it's actually a chair. You just sit on it. So anywhere you want to go in time and space? Anywhere. But the cost will be one million dollars. Is there any uh, payment plans available for people? Don't you want to see the dinosaurs or the woolly mammoths? Check out what the aliens do for a living? Well, for sure I do, but I know I don't have a million dollars sitting around. Well, my machine can take you anywhere your mind can explore. The wonderful riches it contains. Step onto my machine, the wonderful chair. Well, uh, when you send us there, how do we then come back? Is there a certain time we're out there for? Or does the chair come with us and bring us back? How does that work? Why wouldn't you want to come back to this place? This place sucks. It's all going to crap anyway. How does it work? I really understand it's a chair. I get that. But for our listeners who really want to know the details, how does it work? What are we buying with our million dollars? You're buying a one-way ticket out of this world. Is there a cleaner who cleans the chair between patients or between uh, specimens? I'm not sure what you call us. Why are you worried about little discretions like that? Don't you just want to get out of this place? Sometimes, yes. Uh, but not always with my family. Can they come with us? They have a million dollars. Each? Each. One million dollars. Now, perhaps I will show you an example. Do you have a million dollars on you by chance? I did not currently, uh, no, I don't. They don't honest. pay you enough here. Perhaps I can take you for free. One time only. Where do you want to go? I will take you there. But until then, see ya! <laughs> well, well, he just, he just took himself. So I didn't get a chance to uh, go anywhere. Uh, well, that's all the time we have for a show. And he was very nice to talk to come and show us his chair. And uh, we'll be back after these commercials. What you just heard was an improvisation that Dr. Percy and Midnight recorded early on in the process. This was when we did a workshop on commercials over video call. Further down the line here, um, discuss with us what some of the main themes have been uh, that you feel have been present anyways in this adventure of Northern Lights. Okay, um, I would say first is science, you know, because they're experimenting in uh, cold weather, that's for sure, because, you know, where they are, where the story takes place, they're in a cold environment, and these characters that are like brothers almost, because they do this whole scientific experiment with time travel and, you know, I mean, don't forget the caterpillars. The caterpillars brings in, like, the animal species, rare species that uh, play 
into the story. So I would say, you know, the, the cold weather, the scientific aspect, and don't forget, it has the animals in it, the caterpillars. Northern Lights, Circle of Life. A story told by Paul to his grandchildren about his best friend Norman and his wife Alice. Okay, so Midnight explains the setting of the story pretty well here. You know, it's in the future, it's after Norman mysteriously disappeared. Uh, but I wanted to tell you a bit about the process that we go through in creating a play. We often use source material like the Northern Lights as a jumping off point to talk about themes that we want to talk about. Last time we created a live show, we started out with The Wizard of Oz and ended up creating a play about, well, home, I guess. So we spend a lot of time talking about themes and threads that run through our own lives. The captain basically just showed up to a workshop one day after spending a bunch of time thinking about the life cycle of the woolly bear caterpillar and handed Jenny a one-act play. She was teaching the workshop that day. I hope you enjoy part one of The Circle of Life written by the captain and starring Dr. Percy, Midnight, the captain, and Kate Rubin. It's 1962. Paul and Norman's wife, Alice, are now 58. On December 21st, 1948, I was 45 years old. And that was the last time I ever saw my best friend, Norman. We all know the story of the little brown and black caterpillars known as woolly bears, larvae of the tiger moth. Now I'm going to tell you the story of what happened after December 21st disappearance of my best friend, Norman. About three weeks after Norman's disappearance, I got a phone call from his wife, Alice. Paul, Paul, is that you? Yes, of course it's me. After all, you called me, right? Yes, yes, of course. Silly me. Of course it's you. But something very exciting just happened to me. Uh, okay. What's happened? I was cleaning out the deep freeze. You, you know the one I'm talking about, right? The one in the laboratory? Yes, that one. Okay. I had a small bucket and a small spade from the garden to scoop out the slush as I had unplugged it for a proper cleaning. Okay. And then that's when it happened. What happened? There they were. Who was there? Not who, but what was there. Okay. What was there? Five brown and black woolly bear caterpillars. Are, are any of them alive? Yes. All of them. It's a sign. I'll jump in my truck and I'll be there in 20 minutes. Okay. Paul, I'll, I'll be here waiting. This, this is good news, right? Let's hope this is very good news. Okay, Paul, hurry. My stomach is all twisted up. Mine too. See you soon. It took me 17 minutes, and I'm sure a couple of years off my life, but I made it safe and sound. Oh, I'm glad you're here. It seemed like it took forever. Even longer for me. As I looked down and into the freezer, there they were. Five wiggling little woolly bear caterpillars. I stood there dumbfounded with a big smile ear to ear. I turned my head to the right, and there stood Alice, also smiling for the first time since Norma's disappearance, I'm sure. Aren't they beautiful? Yes. They remind me of Norman and look just like his first description of them. You know, 
I did some research over these last couple of weeks on the woolly bear caterpillars. Anything interesting? Actually very interesting and somewhat unbelievable, I must say. Really? How so? Well, of all the caterpillars known to man, the woolly bear caterpillar's circle of life is the longest and strangest of them all. How strange? As strange as Norman's disappearance strange. Is this going to be a happy strange or a sad strange? I don't think I'm ready for another sad, strange story in my life right now, Paul. No, no, this is definitely a happy strange. And an unbelievable story of the circle of life. Okay, a happy, strange story I can enjoy right now, especially if it reminds me of Norman. Well, if Norman knew what I'm going to tell you now, he would be a bit flabbergasted with disbelief. And you know how Norman loved outrageous true stories and events. Yes. He did love the strange and outrageous. <laughs> well, woolly bear caterpillars are born in the Arctic. Now we know why they love the cold and not the heat as one would expect. The Arctic is very cold even on its best days. The ice and snow cover the Arctic where the woolly bear caterpillars thrive for four months of the year. This means they live, eat, and mature for a period of not more than four months. They are voracious eaters 24 hours a day. But even so, cannot mature enough in the mere four months they are allotted, so at the end of their first Arctic summer, they crawl under the nearest rock and start their winter hibernation. The ground freezes and the snow falls. First their blood freezes, then their hearts followed by their entire little bodies. Eight months later, the snow melts and the ice thaws along with all the tiny woolly bear caterpillars. They all crawl out from under their respective little rocks and start eating 24 hours a day for the next four months of the Arctic summer. Again, the Arctic summer comes to an end. The woolly bear caterpillars are still not mature enough to pupate and must go into hibernation mode once again. Now, Alice, this is where it gets very strange and somewhat unbelievable. Apparently, there are a number of different species of caterpillars that take a couple of years to mature enough to pupate. However, the woolly bear caterpillars is not one of these species. They take 14 years before they reach maturity and can morph into a beautiful tiger oh, Paul, come on, are you just playing with me? 14 years, freezing, dying, thawing, coming back to life, eating, freezing, and then dying again? Really? It's all true, Alice, all true. I would not insult you or Norman's memory. As they say, life is stranger than fiction. After all, remember Norman's story. Yes, I'm still trying to come to terms with that one. That very unbelievable event, and not sure if I ever will. Believe me, Alice, every night I lay in bed going over and over in great detail all the events of Norman's disappearance. Unbelievable, simply unbelievable. Me too, Paul. Me too. So, 14 years before maturity. Well, we are both 45 now. Do you think we have another 14 years now? Unbelievable. Simply unbelievable. The circle of life. Live from WBC 101.3 Tuk Tayak Tuk, we bring you Northern Lights Cigarette Lighters. A cigarette lighter for every man, no matter where you live. Tuk Tayak Tuk to Timbuktu. Windproof and waterproof, requires no gas or batteries, runs off five cranks on the Magneto's folding handle. 
three inches by one and a half inches by one quarter inch thick of aircraft T6 aluminum. Anodized Aurora Borealis fluorescent green. Drop it and you can see it from 100 feet away. Lifetime replacement guarantee. Costs $7.95, includes taxes and shipping. Cheap at twice the price. What might your top three song requests be for our DJs? Top three? Hmm. Well, my first song, I would say A Tribe Called Red. The song is called Sisters. Mm -hmm. um, second song, M.I.A. Song called Paper Planes. And for my third song, I would probably say... Um, Sway Lee and Ray Schremer, song called Black Beatles. Take to Lucky, the Stort Shory by Midnight. Stop. You said Stort Shory. Oh, did I? Oh, <laughs> That's uh. good. Let's just do one, two, three, and we'll just keep rolling, but I'll just go. Lucky, a short story by midnight. Once upon a time, there was a man who wandered around the city all day, trying to survive by whatever means necessary. He was homeless, and every day he struggled whatever he encountered, whether it was the natural elements of weather or just trying to find his next meal. Until one day, he found a lottery ticket on the sidewalk just outside a gas station. He discovered that he was a newly found millionaire. And because of that, he purchased a new house where he could live out the rest of his days, not having to worry about the struggle anymore. And because of that, he quickly realized that he was becoming a new person, someone that he never knew existed. Having money allowed him to help out others until finally he helped out all the people that were homeless on the streets that he knew or had seen around. He got everybody situated in houses and they no longer had to sleep outside anymore and also had food to eat. His days of struggling on the streets were long gone and he lived out the rest of his days in peace. might you call this story? I've never been very good at naming things, but I'll give it a go. Time traveling caterpillars. Caterpillar powered time travel. Something to entice you that why are caterpillars time traveling? Okay. And you're like, well, what is this? I want to know more. Okay, a quick note. Uh, Dr. Percy is a pretty amazing visual artist, and so this next question we asked him was, what would the album art look like? Wow. Matte. Uh-huh. With just some beautiful greens and purples, some blues, and just a northern light streaking across the sky, some white snow, so you get to feel that it's up north, it's cold, and just those, the northern lights would need to pop. And then maybe just almost like a... 
almost an Easter egg in the cover, little caterpillars everywhere that you wouldn't really know to look for them. I think I'd like the North to live under the crystal skies, under the stars, to be awed by the northern lights. I want to feel the raw power of nature. Let the unparalleled beauty humble me. The North has secrets for me, secrets about who I am, buried in the snow, hidden in the forests. I think I'd like the North. So let's just dig a little deeper on that. Discuss for the listeners what some of the, a couple of the main themes as you saw it or see it in the production are for Northern Lights. The main themes were the I, that I reference are people who are passionate about a topic and where no one's ever experimented before or gone before and they're just, just diving in. They have something they want to do and they're giving it their all. They're trying to figure out time travel and they're putting themselves at risk for the greater good and because they're so passionate about it. They just want to go out there and find out what is time travel, where are they going, what are these caterpillars doing, and then just as things come with them, they're there willing to take them on. And there's the bravery that goes into that. Seeing as how we're on the radio, Doctor, can you tell our listeners what your top three song requests might be for the DJs out there? Three songs, eh? One that brings me back to my youth would be Blink-22's I'm Feeling This. That was like a more upbeat, fun to sing. A uh, song that always pulls my heartstrings that's good to listen to would be the Decemberists' Hazards of Love Part 4. And the whole story comes to the climax of that final song, and it always brings a tear to my eye. Another one I love would be Billy Boyd's The Last Goodbye. Gorgeous song. Well, he's actually the pippin from the Lord of the Rings trilogy. As we travel just a little further with you, Midnight, what has it been like for you working on this project as a second time actor with the Who's Prison Theatre Society, this, this radio broadcast podcast type concept? What's, what's it been like for you this year? Um, this year, you know, it's been, pretty, it's been pretty tricky, I guess, with the whole, you know, keeping your distance and staying apart six feet or whatever. But the experience is something new. I enjoy doing this stuff, like I said. Honestly, to be part of this project this year, I I really enjoy it. You know, you know, I get to play this character and I get to be myself and have fun while I'm doing it. So, you know, it's it's almost like the same way in a, in a, in a ways as normal theater, except you're kind of keeping your distance. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I don't mind doing this stuff. I actually enjoy it and brings me a bit of comfort because, you know, I'm doing something positive and yeah, so I enjoy this stuff. This it's is just awesome. like you and I today, we have to wear our masks. So you've had to wear masks. You guys have told me through all the recording and all the cleaning, like you said, and the distancing. So a little different than years past, if I'm hearing you right. But uh, yeah, uh, you guys, it sounds it's like been you good. You know, we well. made it work with what we got, and I can't say nothing that's you know bad about the experience because honestly, this experience is great from beginning to finish, and 
I love this stuff, so. Now I'd probably just name it something simple like Aurora, Time, Traveling, Borealis. I'm fine with whatever title it is because honestly, I just love to play the characters, you know? So that's what I enjoy doing is just playing the character. I'm not a director, so I enjoy, you know, reading the scripts and all the other fun stuff, so. Okay, so this one that Midnight is reading um, was written by the captain, and he actually submitted it to the Who's Creative Exchange, which is a, another project that we've been working on this year. Uh, the Creative Exchange pairs 10 outside artists with 10 inside artists, kind of as pen pals exchanging writing and creative art in response to weekly prompts. I have been scrubbing the green algae off the exterior of my newly acquired boat. She sat at the rear of the boatyard in Canoe Cove for the last two years, surrounded by tall fir trees and devoid of direct sunlight. She has sat forgotten and neglected, covered in that medium green algae. So on this particular Sunday, under dark forbidden skies and a light continuous drizzle, I had scrubbed, scraped, and washed my new pride and joy for over four hours now. My sneakers were soaked. My jean jacket was now a good five pounds heavier. I was truly soaked to the bone. It's early February and the temperature gauge, which hangs on the port side wall, my boat's galley reads eight degrees and I was cold, very cold. A year earlier, I had earned my level three industrial first aid ticket and knew very well that hypothermia was a real and serious condition. I was soaked through and through and I was as cold as I had ever been. I had a slight uncontrollable shiver and I knew this was bad very bad. The only positive aspect of my predicament was the fact that the number 72 bus arrived just as I had stepped into the bus shelter. So I quickly gave the driver my day pass and off I went up the stairs and halfway down the aisle to sit on the left view side of the bus next to the window. It's at this point I made a devastating observation. There's no heat coming out of the vent under my seat. I quickly scampered down the stairs and quizzed the bus driver about the lack of heat. My involuntary shivers weighed heavily on my mind. The bus driver just shrugged his shoulders and informed me that a work order was written up. I reassured myself that hot air rises and returned to my seat on the upper level. I rubbed the palms of my hands together and tapped my feet incessantly, counting off each stop as we continued on towards the city center. Hypothermia is in most instances not reversible. I was cold, very cold, and had been shivering for about an hour now. The bus came to a stop right in front of the Victoria City Hall building, and I knew from experience that the halfway house was but 10 minutes away. 
I made it in about five minutes at a very brisk walk. Up the elevator and bypassing my room, I headed straight for the showers. The only article of clothing I removed was my jean jacket. There I stood under a very hot stream of water, allowing my clothes to warm up and transfer all that heat into my now aching cold body. I stood in that shower for what seemed like an eternity, slowly rotating in a counterclockwise rotation until I was uncomfortably hot through and through. Gone was the uncontrollable shivers that had scared the hell out of me. The self-inflicted nightmare was over. Thank you, Captain. Thanks, Midnight. That was a response to the question, what is the coldest you've ever been? Now stick around because we have one last installment of our wonderful sequel to the Northern Lights, Circle of Life. Unbelievable, simply unbelievable. The Circle of Life. The extended story of Northern Lights, the Circle of Life. It's been 14 years since the Alice and Paul experiment began in memory of my best friend and Alice's husband, Norman. Over the last 14 years, Alice and I monitored and cared for our five woolly bear caterpillars. We fed them for four months each year for the last 14 years and kept them safe in our freezer, hibernating for the other eight months. Alice and I are now both 58 and our woolly bear caterpillars are 14 years old. This is the summer we expect them to emerge from their last winter freeze and build their cocoons and start their long-awaited metamorphosis. It's good to see you, Paul. It's been a very long journey, I must say. That would be an understatement. How are you feeling today? I slept through most of the night. The nurse gave me a little extra knowing how excited I was about today's meeting. That's comforting to know that they understand what today truly means to you. And of course myself. Oh, I think everyone who works in this cancer ward or the whole hospital probably knows by now what day today is. After all, I've been telling anyone who would take the time to listen to the story of the, the five woolly bear caterpillars. And what a story it is. One of the nurses told me in confidence that they didn't expect you to last two months, let alone the seven months you've been here. If I've told you once, I've told you a million times. I'd like to see them fly out that down window. It's the last thing I do. So, enough chit-chat. Let me see our babies. I lifted the cardboard wooden matchbox out of the canvas bag, placing it onto the nightstand beside Alice's bed in front of the window. I removed the sliding cover, allowing the warmth of the sun to embrace their five babies. There they are, Alice. All five still alive and well after 14 years. As you can see, they are starting to build their cocoons. I noticed yesterday, just before I went to bed, they were starting to do something. As you can see, they are doing an incredible job. 14 years to get to this point. Unbelievable. Simply unbelievable. The circle of life. 
For the next four months, Ellis and I held hands, told stories about Norman, and waited patiently for the birth of our tiger moths. Ellis' cancer was consuming her, and we were all praying for Ellis's dream to come true. Paul, Paul, wake up. Look, they're, they're trying to eat their way out. It's happening. I, I've made it. They've made it. So there we sat, watching one, then the next, eat their way out of their cocoons. Then, over the next 20 minutes, all five tiger moths crawled around and over their cardboard wooden matchbox. This box had been their home for the last 14 years. Then their wings glistened no more. They had dried in the warmth of the early September sun. They unfolded, stretched, and started to flap them slowly. One by one, they achieved liftoff and flew towards the sun, bumping into the window, going up and down, trying to find their way out and on with their life. Aren't they absolutely magnificent, Paul? Beautiful, Alice. Beautiful. It's time to open the window and set them free. Do you think they'll find Norman in their travels, Paul? I'm sure you will all see Norman very, very soon. I opened the window, and one by one, all five flew out the window and off to who knows where. I turned to Alice, and there she lay, a beautiful, peaceful smile on her face. Alice, too, had been set free and, like the tiger moths, left to who knows where. I'm sure Alice, Norman, and the tiger moths are all enjoying the beautiful colors of the aurora borealis somewhere up in the Arctic this winter. See. Well, there you have it. I'd like to remind you all, find and listen to this, the 60th production by Who's, and might I add, a happy 40th anniversary, as this prison theater troupe had its humble beginnings way back in time in 1981. Northern Lights is a wonderful recreation of the 1949 broadcast by the same name and is a must listen. Well, thanks for sticking around to the end of episode two of our first ever radio play recorded inside of William Head Prison. We would like to thank the CRD, Canada Council for the Arts, and BC Arts Council for supporting Who's and Snafu as we find our legs in this unprecedented time. Also, a massive thanks to Kate Rubin, Anne Cirillo, Jenny Luther, and Ingrid Hansen for embracing the unknown and trying something new. An even massiver thanks to Cecilia and the program staff at William Head Federal Penitentiary for organizing our workshops, facilitating communication, and supervising our recording sessions and for putting up with many, 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 many emails from me whilst you simultaneously manage all of the other groups of prison volunteers. You are utter champions. And of course, thanks to Paul Dark, Dr. Percy, Midnight, The Captain, and all of the enthusiastic incarcerated artists who contributed thoughts, ideas, and writing through the Who's Creative Exchange. It's a real honor to get to work with you and hear your voices and your stories. I hope this is one of the many more projects that we can share together, and I wish you all the best on your journeys towards getting out and building your lives on the outside. I know the transition can be tough, never mind what it's like during a pandemic, so our hearts go out to you. You are not alone. If you'd like to keep in touch about future Who's and Snafu podcasts and plays, sign up for our email list at whonstage.weebly.com. At the website, you can also share your experience, and it'll come directly to us. 
If you'd like to contribute to the podcast or leave a tip, we're collecting donations for Help Fill a Dream. You can look them up at helpfilladream.com. And follow Snafu on Instagram at snafudance. A huge thanks goes out to the Victorian professional volunteers at Snafu for all their support in helping coordinate these past few Dark Traveler radio hours and for helping to put such a wonderful production together. And to you, all my faithful listeners, all you travelers of the Dark Midnight Hour, I thank you for tuning in this week and every week. Y'all keep me searching for the answers. Signing off until next time, this is Paul Dark, host of the Dark Traveler Radio Broadcast Hour. Here's to the mysterious, the mystical, and the darkness in the night sky. Travel well, one and all. The end. Is that still recording? Yes, it is. Okay, so we got all of them on there. So I'm going to say goodbye, stop.